following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. God bless you guys. How are you all doing today? That works. Let's start with a word of prayer. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We exalt you, Lord God, and we welcome your angels here for healing everything you want done. And Jesus, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do today. And God, we pray for revival hitting Minnesota in Jesus' name. God, your power poured out, lives being changed, Lord God, people repenting in the streets in Jesus' name. God, awaken an army in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray not just for healings and miracles to happen here today, Lord God, but for your people to be empowered in a much greater way. Give me your words to speak here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm always curious how many people have seen me before. So how many of you have seen me preach before? How many of you have not seen me preach before? How many of you aren't sure? (laughs) All right, good. Um, It's good to be back. God bless you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses in Elk River, in Minnesota, in North America, and the ends of the earth. That's the local version. Sometimes we've relegated the power of God to be for the ends of the earth, but God wants to touch people here. We think we need to go on a missions trip far away to see God do something, and God wants to do it in Hutchinson or Elk River, or wherever we go, because he does. Now, I believe in missions trips. I live on a never-ending one. But I also live on a missions trip to Elk River today. Amen? I like to start by sharing some testimonies of the goodness of Jesus. And been in Minnesota the last little bit, a couple, two, three weeks. And Jesus is good at healing Minnesotans. He likes to touch them as well. And so, uh, let's see, I was preaching a week ago in Bemidji and Pillager, and Jesus likes to touch the folks up north as well. So on Saturday night of a week ago, there was a woman that came into the service. Uh, She would, in order to walk, she either used a walker or she had to hold on to somebody. Not anymore. Jesus is good. And so she was walking around pain-free, absolutely no problems on her own. God is good. He likes to do that. Not when I prayed for her, but when the people all laid hands and prayed for each other. Because those of you that have seen me here before, you know I like to get you guys involved. Amen? Healing is not just for a person up on stage. It's for everybody in the body of Christ. Um, Let's see. What else happened? There was a lot. Uh, In Pillager, uh, I asked for some testimonies. And a little girl's hand shot up. And she was maybe seven or eight years old. And I was kind of thinking, like, she couldn't have anything that majorly wrong with her. I mean, she was seven or eight years old. And I said, okay, what did Jesus do for you? Thinking that maybe she bumped her knee when she was on the playground earlier today or something. And she said, well, I have Lyme's disease, but I don't feel it anymore. And I feel great. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen? Another gentleman, he shared how he had had sciatica for over 25 years and couldn't find that anymore. God is good. It's like my rear, my leg, everything. It all feels good. God's good. He likes to heal folks. He likes to do it at the ends of the earth, too. I was uh, In July, I was in Ecuador, and Jesus also likes to heal the Ecuadorians and touch them. So um, just had fun. 
Um, having a, I had a few friends with me who just would train these little itty bitty, I mean, we're talking tiny, 10, 20, 30 people in their churches out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're not talking Quito, Guayaquil. We're talking middle of nowhere. Like half the people are illiterate. And um, so train them all in, in healing, how to get somebody saved. Take a lunch break. All right, now we're going to just go through your community. Go to the house. Go to each house. Ask the people there. Do you have any pain or problem in your body? Pray for them all. Then when you get done praying for them all, share the gospel with them all. Then ask them if they'd like to have a Bible study in their house. So we did that, and 225 were healed, 175 saved, and 60-some-odd Bible studies were started. But tumors disappear, uh, club foot straightens out, and all sorts of fun stuff. Which, by the way, you normally think of that being a third-world disease, but when I was preaching in Burnsville in January, there was a woman in her 40s who had a club foot that straightened out in the service. Come on, Jesus. That was kind of fun. But at any rate, uh, one fun testimony, at least for me, this was, this was new to me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're used to this. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But I'm, we're out in the afternoon to do our, our outreach, so we just go up to the first house, and it's me and uh, a girl named Sarah. She's from Alaska, and our translator, um, his name is Mario. And uh, so we get to the house, and, and there's just a really small a little Ecuadorian woman there, and, and I said, hola, como esta? And she said, bien, y tú? So, hello, how are you? She says, fine, and you? And I said, bien, and then I said, um, I said, you know, mi, uh, mi amigos y yo está la iglesia antes. My friends and I were in the church before, and we prayed for people for healing, and we saw Jesus heal them. Uh, do you have any pain or problem in your body, or do you need a healing of any kind? So, I asked that in Spanish. My Spanish does have its limits. You'll see that coming up here. And, uh, and so she starts saying something in Spanish, and uh, I, I had no clue what she was now saying at this point. So I looked at Mario, our translator, and I was like, uh, so what's she saying? And he says, well, she gets these episodes where she just blacks out. And she doesn't, like, it isn't like it comes upon her and she can kind of tell when it's coming or anything. She just, like, randomly blacks out in random places, and then she's like picking herself off the ground or off the floor in different places from where she blacked out. And uh, so that's what, what her prayer request is. And um, uh, I, I look at him, because like I said, my Spanish has its limits, and I said, well, does she have seizures or epilepsy? And before Mario can get a word out of his mouth, she says no. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Okay, well, epilepsia, epilepsy, it's a similar word in English and Spanish. Maybe she caught that. So I look at Mario again, and I was like, well, does she have low blood pressure or fainting? And before Mario can get a word out of his mouth, she says no. And I look at her, and I'm like, habla inglés? Do you speak English? She said no, but I can understand every word that you're saying right now. And it's like, oh, that's Acts chapter 2, isn't it? She wasn't speaking back to me in English, but she could understand everything that I was saying. Now, if this was a movie, there'd be some music in the background of this or that. Honestly, I felt absolutely nothing. I didn't feel the presence. I wasn't shaking. I wasn't manifesting. I didn't feel anything. But sometimes we associate that God works when we feel something. And, and it's true. Sometimes we do feel something. Sometimes I feel something. But I'll tell you, for me, probably more often than not, I feel nothing. I say that because sometimes we're like waiting for something to happen before we feel like we can do something. Yeah. Yeah. But when I look at the Great Commission, it says, as you are going, yeah. preach the gospel, yeah. heal the sick. Yeah. It's not a, when I feel something and I get this revelation and then, okay, now I can go. I mean, God sometimes does it that way. 
But for me, more often than not, I feel absolutely nothing. I feel absolutely nothing, and then tumor disappears. It's like, oh, that was cool. Thank you, Jesus. Or their asthma gets healed. Or nothing happens, and they don't want to receive what I have to say. I have no control over their response. Just being honest with you. So the whole time I'm talking to her, she's understanding what I'm saying in English. Should come as no surprise, she prayed for salvation right there on the spot. <laughs> she says, I could tell that God sent you to me because I can understand you. I, I can tell you are not speaking Spanish, but I can understand what you're saying. I can't even understand everything that he says, my translator, because <laughs> her Spanish wasn't really that good. She was illiterate. She, she couldn't read or write, and she was pretty basic in her Spanish. <clears throat> When we step outside of our comfort zone, God wants to show up even more than we want to see him show up. Because we care about people. That's his heart. He just likes to do it. Amen? He's just looking for opportunities. And it might not go perfectly. And that's okay. Because ultimately he's after our obedience more and he's after our performance. Amen? Amen. We stay inside of our comfort zone. It's boring, isn't it? It just is. I always like to show a healing video clip. I think it gives people a vision for seeing Jesus touch people outside the four walls of the church. Um, It kind of goes along with the testimonies I've been sharing so far. It's not actually a standard clip. I'm actually going to show the trailer for this movie right here. But I think it has a lot of value with, with what I'm trying to accomplish here today. So go ahead and hit play when you are ready. Thank you. What the church has done in the past is the church has declared the truth without love, and that comes across harsh. So the world has responded by declaring love without truth, which is a lie. We have this unique challenge of being led by the Spirit, which means we need to merge both truth and love. Do you ever have any problem with your neck or your shoulder or your back? All the time. Can I pray for you real quick? Yeah. Someone have a jaw that like pops or has a problem with their jaw? Sometimes. Yeah. It's you? Yeah. The Bible says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So people are like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really want to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. It doesn't matter what aspect of ministry you're doing, a huge part of it is demonstrating the nature of God. Everything we're doing in the kingdom is relational. So whether it's healing, whether it's teaching, pastoring, the prophetic, you know, it's all about the nature of God. It's all about who God is.
God hides things for us and reveals in the scripture that to his own, he has given the secrets to the mysteries, all the mysteries they have access to. So here he invites us into this joyful journey of discovery as God is happy to reveal things to us. All right. I look forward to the Minnesota version coming out soon. Done by you all. Amen? All right. Jesus, help me to organize my thoughts. Amen. Randy Clark made, you guys know who Randy Clark is? He made this statement, and he said, out of the two most destructive theologies in today's church. He said one of them is the doom and gloom eschatology of we're believing for God just to get worse and worse with an escapist mentality. Then one day he'll just take us away and we don't have to deal with this place anymore. If Abraham Lincoln thought that slavery was just a sign of the times and something that should be accepted because we're just hanging in there till Jesus is rapturing us out, we might still have slavery in this country today, right? If Martin Luther King Jr. thought that segregation was just a sign of the times and something that we should accept as being a sign God's coming back soon, we might still have segregation in this country today. Yeah? I see people in the body of Christ accepting all sorts of things as being a sign of the times and God's coming back soon that God has no intentions of us accepting as just being that. And if we accept it as that, future generations will pay dearly for us accepting things as being from a loving Father up in heaven that are not from a loving Father up in heaven. Talking about this topic is a little bit like swinging at a hornet's nest because everybody's passionate about their end times view. <laughs> and they're all convinced they have it right. I still haven't heard one end times view that I'd be willing to stake my life savings on. But if your end times view causes you to take a pacifistic stance on what's happening in the world, Nothing could be more opposite of how the Holy Spirit works in a person's life. When I look in the Bible, there's three phrases that are very similar. This person was baptized with the Holy Spirit, and this person was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon this person, and. I realize that they're not exactly the same thing, but they're similar. They're kind of like sisters. What's interesting is what happens after the and is never passiveness. It's never and they just watch the game on TV, which I enjoy watching the game on TV, go Vikings. But after the and is always action. And they preached the gospel boldly. And they prophesied. And they spoke in tongues. And they something. If we have a hyper-Calvinistic stance on how God works, we will relegate, we'll fail to see our action in what God is wanting to accomplish and how God desires to work the relationship. 
Ananias is praying in the Bible because Saul's coming to town and Saul is famous for arresting and killing Christians. And God speaks to him and says, go find Saul, he's on Straight Street, he needs healing for his eyes. Ananias is like, I don't think that's a good idea, God. <laughs> Ananias was good when he was just praying about the problem from afar. But God wants to partner with us to bring about the answers to our prayers. He doesn't want us just to pray something. Oh, it didn't happen. I guess that's just a sign that it isn't God's will. Because don't we have a relationship with God through Jesus? So how will God answer prayer? Through relationship, right? It's quite irresponsible if we just accept things as being there that God doesn't intend that we accept as being there. And that includes all kinds of things. When Jesus and the disciples are in the boat and there's a storm, Jesus' response to his disciples was not, well, see, the storm was sent here by your loving Father up in heaven to teach you humility and character and dependence on him. And so you need to praise him in the midst of the storm and thank him for the opportunity to grow. Right? No, they actually like, made a stand against it. He literally rebuked wind and waves. It's important that we take a stand against things that God has us to take a stand against. Because there's things out there that we need to take a stand against. I've had this conversation more times in the last year and a half than I, I would like to have had. But I, I see people who look at me and they're like, Paul, something along the lines of, I am just hanging in there till Jesus raptures me out. And I look at them, and I'm like, okay, like, why do you say that? And they look at me like, I didn't realize you were that stupid, Paul. <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Don't you see all the problems? And they start listing them off. Well, I don't like the way the last election went, and I don't like the government controls, and I don't like coronavirus, and I don't like this, and I don't like that, and, and, and I get it. I'm going to say something that might sound blasphemous, but Jesus Christ is not an American. Amen. That, that might have been sacrilegious for some of you, but he, he isn't. Amen. When they're telling me all the reasons why Jesus Christ is rapturing us out because things have gotten so bad. Every single one of them involves how bad things have gotten in the United States of America. This country is about, what, 330 million people? There's almost 8 billion people on planet Earth? If you... I travel a lot, right? Like, I've been to 50 countries. If you go to an Iranian brother or sister or a North Korean brother or sister and you try to explain to them how Jesus is coming back soon because the government has been having way too much control in American culture, <laughs> that might be their response as well. There still is the vast majority of this world's population that would sacrifice a whole lot to get into this country. 
I remember going out to California over a decade ago and I'd see people living in houses that are three quarters of a million dollar houses, just depressed out of their mind with how bad things have gotten in this country, how they're just waiting and hanging in there till God can take us out. I first thought, wow, you spend way too much time watching the news. And I was like, even California in the recession over a decade ago was still far better than the vast majority of the world economically. And the vast majority of the world would sacrifice a whole lot in order to get there. So it's important that we... Maybe I'll put it this way. In the Old Testament, Moses sent out 12 spies. 10 spies looked at the Promised Land. They said, can't be done. Problems are too big. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, looked at the Promised Land and said, are you kidding me? We win, we have God. Who was right? All of them. Right? The 10 that believed that it couldn't be done, their experience proved them correct. They never saw it happen. The two that believed that it could be done absolutely saw it happen. I don't want to be believing for negative things to happen and get them by faith. Because you might get it if you believe for it. Maybe Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I don't know. He said he's coming back soon, but have you realized that his idea of soon is not the same as yours and my idea of soon? Like, I'm an American. If I cook my food in the microwave, it still took too long, right? Soon is very soon. But Jesus' concept seems to be a little bit different than ours. And so my point is, when I, when I hear all these reasons, well, we have coronavirus. Well, a third of Europe died from the bubonic plague back in the Middle Ages. That was substantially worse. When I hear all their different reasons for why it has to be that way, I'm like, really? What if the U.S. didn't exist as a country anymore? Who knows? Maybe one day it won't. Oof, now, I, if, if my first comment wasn't blasphemous, <laughs> that really was. But the Roman Empire doesn't exist anymore, and all the rest of these empires that were bigger and stronger than the U.S. Doesn't mean that that meant Jesus came back right then. I go to these countries where they would give up a whole lot in order to come to this country when I meet people here that are depressed out of their mind because of how bad things have gotten here. And I look at them, and I'm like, when I'm in those countries, the love of God still works? People still get saved? People still get healed? People still get delivered? People's lives still get transformed? People still get off drugs? All of it works. They still have joy. All of it works regardless of their government. Ooh, this is going to sound bad, but we're just having fun today. Actually, this is the only country I go to where people are convinced that it can't work because of their government. Not every American thinks like that, but some do. I'm just trying to get you to think about this for a moment. After the service is done, you can find rocks and throw them at me, I guess, but I prefer not. We intend to 
intentionally put in chips for that reason. <laughs> Thank you. The pastoral team is grateful. <laughs> Just trying to get you to think about what you're believing for. You don't have to agree with me on all this, but I'm just trying to get you to think about this for a little bit. Just because certain ideas are floating around Christendom about how horrible things are, doesn't mean that's the reality that you need to live in or I need to live in. And just because, like I go to virtually every single country I've been to, just about, locals are convinced God can't work there. Oh, God can work somewhere else in a different continent, but not there. If I believe them, I'll become worthless to them because I won't believe for God to do anything. Yeah. So what you choose to believe for makes a huge difference. Amen? Amen? Now, transitioning over to healing, that story of, oh, that's a, oh they are right on cue. All right. <laughs> transitioning over to healing, you know, the 12 spies seeing the promised land, that's not so different than where we're at with healing ministry. When you see somebody who has a health problem, they're like, oh, my pinky hurts a little bit. Oh, that's not so bad. Oh, they're about to die by Tuesday. That does not sound good. I, I don't think this is going to work. And what just happened? Didn't we just become the 10 spies? Yes. Didn't we just elevate the problem to be bigger in our mind than our God? Yeah. Sometimes the problem isn't even as big of a problem as believing that we, the problem is bigger than God is the problem. Good word. probably should say that again. I don't know if I can. Sometimes the problem isn't as big of a problem as it is. Sometimes believing that the problem is bigger than what God can do is the bigger problem. So when you see somebody who has a health problem here today in front of you that you're going to pray for, don't become the 10 spies. I think, but I think I'm looking at a lot of Joshua's and Caleb's in this room. Sometimes we spend our lives focused on what we don't have. We think, man, if we just had you know, more pastors working together, if we had this great big conference, if we had this, if we had that, nothing wrong with any of that. But Jesus changed the world with 12. None of them highly educated, none of them all that successful in ministry or anything like that. There is more than enough horsepower to bring transformation to all of this region in this room right now. Maybe you've come here today and you're like, I have never before prayed to actually make Jesus my Lord and God. I want to give people an opportunity. Just close your eyes right now. If you've never before prayed to turn away from what you've done wrong and make Jesus your God, that's the only way you can be forgiven. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.